0: Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, and I'm going to read down through 15. Jesus has already talked about how not to pray, we covered that last week, and now He is going to instruct us instruct us on how to pray. And I want to encourage you before we get started, guys, this is a model prayer. Some people have, have uh, misunderstood this prayer, and they have attempted to just memorize it and to pray it. And when we do that, I want you to know it loses its content and its meaning. It's not to say that it's not important. Uh, and, and, and I, you know, there are always times, I think, of football teams before a football game. We're going to go out and we're going to knock the snot out of somebody. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Really? Really? I mean, so so we have this habit, guys, and, and it's just our religious nature that we're, we're looking for answers. And I think we have a tendency to do things like, like memorize the Lord's Prayer and just to pray it. Uh, But I'm telling you from what we studied about real prayer last week, remember, real prayer's got to come from a private place. What Jesus is saying is I want you to internalize what I'm going to tell you. I want you to make it personal, and then I want you to pray from that place. And so with that in mind, I want you to hear what he says uh, as we study this model prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Four things I want to share with you this morning about real prayer. And here's the first. I want you to see this morning that real prayer is kingdom focused. Real prayer is kingdom focused. Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we began to wade into this a little bit last week when we said that real prayer is about surrender, not coercion. Perhaps you remember that we said that the Gentiles and the Jews both believed that that if you you prayed these long flattering prayers, that somehow you could coerce God into to giving you what you wanted, and and uh, and so we studied that and we we said, listen, that's not. Real prayer. And of course, the reason that that's not real prayer, and Christians know this, is because God's ways are always better than our ways, right? Uh, That's what we said. God's ways are always better than our own. God always has something better than than what we desire. And so I kind of, I thought about that going from last week into this week, and I wrote this down. I think maybe it's worthy of writing down. Uh, I want you to write this down. His will is always better than our want. You know that? God's will is always better than our wants. And and that's really at at the heart of of what we're talking about this morning. Our our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because your will is best. This is why Christians should pray for this, because they understand the, the true heart of God, and the true heart of God is that He is a giver. And not only is he a giver, but he is a good giver. In fact, he's a better giver than anything that we could give for ourselves, right? That's the heart of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle when it comes to gift giving. Anybody else? I've confessed to you before. I once bought my wife a mop for her birthday. It was a fancy mop. It wasn't just a mop. I mean, it was a mop and then you flipped it over and it vacuumed up all the water that you mopped the floor with. Because she'd been talking about the labor of having to mop all our floors, and ye gats, not a good one, not a good. I regret it. I, I'm going to get her this year. I've got a good one planned this year. This year, finally, I'm going to give her something worthwhile. I'm not a good giver. You know what? I'm not even a good giver when it comes to being a parent. You know, you struggle trying to figure out what what what, what, do, what do my kids need? What do they want? What do they desire? That's a struggle for me. But hear me. It's not a struggle for God. God knows you. God formed you in your mother's womb. He knows how many hairs you got left on your head and the fact that they are quickly fleeting. He knows that they've chased, right? Now, I'm the only man here. that They've gone from here into here. All right, Ladies, you always wonder why we can't hear. It's God's cruel joke. All the hair is leaving our head and entering our ears. God knows that. But God, at the heart of who He is, He is a loving, just, wonderful God that is a good giver. He is a good giver. And and, and His will is always better than than our wants. Guys, that's what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember? The weight of of the, the sin of the world was upon Him. What did He pray? Father, if you can take this cup from me. But ultimately He said, But Father, not my will, Your will be done. It's a prayer that is completely focused on the kingdom of God. It's a prayer that is completely caught up in the divine will of God coming to fruition in our lives. And it's huge. This is such a big deal that we understand as Christians that real prayer is kingdom focused. And I want to show you why, okay? Because when we start praying for the kingdom of God to be made known amongst men, things happen to us. It doesn't just impact the world, though it will. It also begins to change our heart and our outlook on life. And I want to show you three things that praying for the kingdom of God will do on your life. First and foremost, when you start praying for the kingdom of God to come, you are going to find yourself focused on preparing for eternity. You just can't help it. When you start praying for the kingdom of God to be manifested amongst us, then all of a sudden you start seeing life in a different perspective. Suddenly it's no more about the temporary stuff that you have, but it's about how can I further the kingdom of God. It's not about what can I get, but it starts becoming about what can I give. How can I invest, as Jesus would say, how can I store up treasure in heaven? We're getting there. It completely changes your outlook. And I want you to know it changes your outlook on a personal level. And it changes your outlook on a corporate level. I think about our church. You know, we've been praying... This month, we continue to pray. We're, we're, we're praying about what God would call us to do and, and, and be. And, you know, I, I talked with somebody uh, last night. And, and by the way, we'll start the complaint back there. I'm sorry if I just got on to you this morning. But we'll, we'll start it back there. Met somebody last night that got a letter. That means that they're officially, quote-unquote, an active member of our church, though they've never been in worship service to my account, ever. He said, Pastor, I got your letter and I've been I've been meditating on it. And I think... You know, the Bible says you should test the spirits, by the way. If you're really meditating in prayer and fasting, you're not going to tell me what you think. You're probably going to tell me what Jesus thinks. I'm just saying, uh They said, I, I think everything's just fine. we we're, we're just we just we just need to stay where we are. I said, Well, I appreciate your thoughts. I really, really do. Why would we do something like that? Why Why would we risk ruining whatever God is doing here now? And, and why would we do that? And why would we think about purchasing land? And why would we? And why would we? And why would we? And I'm standing outside H-E-B and I'm trying to love this person in the Lord and I'm, I, I'm, I'm very controlled and I'm not angry and I'm just explaining. And ultimately I just said, you know why we would? So that the kingdom of Jesus might be furthered, friend. That's ultimately why we would. The the reason why churches everywhere should step out in faith is because God rewards faith. And because they're called to be the leaders of the kingdom of God. And if all we do is surrender into comfort, then we totally lost it. When you pray for kingdom-sized things, you start having a kingdom-sized perspective. It forces you to start thinking eternally instead of temporally. And that's dangerous, dangerous talk, friends. It's so dangerous that it caused a group group of bandits, if you will, to give up everything that they possess and to leave their homes and to go out where people hated their message and yet to boldly proclaim the truth of God's word. And it caused the world to forever turn upon its ear. And I tell you, the enemy is still reeling from the blow that was dealt by those 11 guys. And the gospel message that they had, the courage to speak forth. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we find ourselves focused on preparing for eternity. Number two, when you're praying for God's kingdom to come, it helps you live selflessly. helps you live selflessly. Again, what a great quality. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I tell you, friend, if you don't understand the gospel, then, then, then you, you can't understand this point. God is a selfless God. You know, you meet a lot of atheists or agnostics and they think that God is some big divine bully that He's pulling all the strings and He's just a big meanie. No, friends, take them to Scripture. God's not a big meanie. He's not a big bully that's trying to pull all the strings. And, and, and he, this isn't the Wizard of Oz. No, no, God cares so much about us that He steps into creation, God Himself, and He takes upon His own wrath so that we might be reconciled to Him. God is a other-giving God. He's a self-sacrificing God. And when you start praying about the kingdom, you can't help but become that kind of person. Not what can I get, but Father, what can I give? Number three, when you pray about God's kingdom coming, it will remind you that God is not finished. When you're focused on the kingdom of God and the fruition of God and that Jesus would come back and restore the church of God, then it helps you understand that God is not finished. He's not finished with you and he's not finished with his church right I, I used to work in a christian bookstore uh really before i got saved and there was this little button and um it was it was uh g n f w m y wait no no hold on i n p b g n f y it was just the letters you so, what is that it sounds it did it sounded really it stood for I'm not perfect, but God's not finished with me yet. <laughs> I'm not perfect, but God's not finished with me yet. Hear me, the same is true about the church. We're not perfect, but God's not finished with us yet. And we've got problems, but God's not finished with us yet. Right? When you pray for the kingdom of God, when you pray for God's will to be done, it changes your entire perspective on reality. Number two, I've got to get on. Real prayer acknowledges... Our total dependence upon God. Look at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Now, many have interpreted this, this passage uh, of the prayer throughout the years in, in kind of a wrong light. They, they've seen this as the portion that we get to ask for stuff, right? So they kind of interpret it like this. Okay? Remember, it's a model prayer. So they pray it like this. God, you are great. Holy is your name. Your will be done. Now give me some stuff. Right? Right? That's a portion of the prayer. Give give us today our daily bread. And so as long as we say that other stuff, that's the formula, right? To get what we want. We say, God, you're good. Your name is holy. Let your will be done. Now I need a new car. All right? Need a little bigger house. Now I need a raise. Now I need this. Now I need that. Now we we incorporate all the stuff that we want. Of course, guys, that cannot be what this petition really means. And it cannot be what this petition really means. Because real prayer is kingdom focused. And if real prayer is kingdom focused, then this little petition about daily bread cannot be about you. And it cannot be about your wants. Instead, it must be about God's provision. See, it radically changes things. So what, what does this mean? It's a request for God to supply, get this, our physical and material needs for the day. For the day. It's, it's not a, for a year. It's not for a month. It's not for a week. It's it's for the day. And I want you to see this stark Contrast here between this teaching and the teaching of the Jews during Jesus' day. You see, we've talked about the scribes and the Pharisees and how they used to pray. One of the things that they prayed often while they were out standing on those street corners begging for men's attention is they would pray these things called the 18 benedictions. And there in the 18 benedictions, there was also a supplication for food. They would pray for food and God's provision. But get this, when they prayed for food, they did not pray for sustenance for a day. They prayed for God's provision for that year's worth of crops. That's what was written in the 18 benedictions. And you say, Pastor, was that any different? You know, they're still praying for food. Well, I would tell you that it's great difference because it's a matter of faith. How much faith does it require, right? You know, faith, Hebrews 11, 1, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. How much faith does it require when you've got a year's worth of produce sitting in the in, in the storage bin, right? We say, you've got to have enough faith for the next year. I guess so. But, but Jesus wanted more than that for His followers. He wanted His followers to experience their Father's provision more than just once a year. You see it? Jesus wanted his followers to experience God's provision daily. And so he taught them to seek provision enough for each day so that daily they could experience God's provision in their life so that they could be totally dependent upon God. And guys, that's the entire point of prayer. It's a petition coming before God saying, God, I'm nothing without you. I'm completely and totally in need. Now, listen. You may have money in the bank and maybe you don't have to ask God for money to pay your bills tomorrow. But maybe what you're daily asking God for is his grace. Right? Maybe what you have to daily petition God for is his peace. Maybe what you have to daily petition God for is self-control. But the point is, without him, we can't have any of it. We are in need. And we must daily rely upon God. And I fear all too often we don't. I fear all too often we come before God with all of our gifts and talents and abilities stored up. And instead of realizing that we're in dire need of Him for the day, we just ask for whatever we want. Instead of what we really need. Number three, I want you to see this morning that real prayer is rooted in mercy. Look at verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. Our debtors. And again, this is a huge deal. I, I can't tell you how many people come to us and they, they feel like God is, is not listening to them, that they, that God is distant in some way. My favorite quote from them is, well, it just feels like my prayers are, 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 are bouncing off the the ceilings, you know, and, and, and they basically, they, they feel like their fellowship with God is, is broken, that God's not listening, that He's he's distanced, that He's not as close or they're not as close to Him as they, they used to be. And there's a whole slew of reasons. Maybe you're here and you felt that way before. There's a whole slew of reasons that you can feel that way oftentimes it's because you're not reading your bible right the bible is the word of god and if you're not reading the word of god you're going to feel distant from god it just should, should naturally flow that way okay and it may, maybe maybe it's because when they pray they're actually praying with wrong motives the bible warns against that it says you do not have because you do not ask and when you ask you ask with the wrong motives it means that you're asking for stuff that you want instead of kingdom things that god wants right and so when you pray with the wrong motives then then it feels like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Sometimes when you dig a little bit deeper, what you actually find out is that person doesn't have a relationship with Christ, right? And, and so they're saying, well, why, why is God not hearing me? Why am I all alone? And you start asking them about their relationship with Christ, and you find out they don't have a relationship with Christ. Well, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, friends, you have no means of communication with the Father, this is, this is why your friends in the world that don't know Jesus and they say, well, I don't understand why my prayers aren't being answered. You can't have access to the Father without the Son. Right? No one comes into the Father except by me, Jesus says. And so many people, they feel so distant from God. And they rightly feel distant from God because they don't have Christ. They don't actually have access to God. And so you all come through that. But most of the time, when I'm speaking with a Christian, then they feel this distance. Do you know most of the time what it comes down to? The majority, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the majority of the time, usually that distance comes down to the fact that they're, they're, they're holding anger or hatred or resentment in their hearts against someone else. That, that, that literally they're not forgiving someone. And they're saying, well, wait a second, I, I don't understand it. Well, friends, the reason why, the reason why you're not receiving the grace and the mercy of God is because you're, you're not praying mercy. Because you don't have mercy for others. And, and guys, I want to show you this. This is not real prayer. When you come before God and say, Oh God, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. God, forgive me. I need your forgiveness. I need to feel you. I need you in my life. When you plead those kind of things, yet you don't offer that forgiveness to others. That's not real prayer. You see, real prayer is that great understanding that, yes, God, I need your forgiveness. And because I need your forgiveness, I, too, am forgiving others. It's all linked together. And so many Christians I meet are stuck in, in their Christian walk in witness, and they are stuck right here feeling distant from God, and they're feeling distant from God because they're praying to God for things in their life and they're not hearing any response. And so many times they're, they're not hearing that response because their prayers are not rooted in mercy. They're not truly worried about other people. They're just worried about themselves. And friends, that's not real prayer. That's not real prayer. I'll read it again. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then look at verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy and it should sink in. Number four. Number four. I want you to know this morning that real prayer pleads for rescue. Real prayer pleads for rescue, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. that word deliver literally in the Greek, it means to deliver or to draw to oneself. But my favorite definition for it is simply to rescue. It means to to rescue or to save someone from a fate from which he cannot escape on his own. Let me say that again. That word deliver, it means to rescue or save someone from a fate which he cannot escape on his own. And and again, huge implications for believers. I want you to notice that the believer is not to pray for God's assistance. God, we, we pray that all the time. Don't God, would you help me? God, would you ha- I want you to notice the believer is not to pray for God's assistance. Look at it and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It says save us from the evil one. I, I love what Charles Quirrell says. You've got this in your sermon notes, but I'm going to read it off the screen. He says the disciple is so weak that uh, he is, it's supposed to say that he is little match for the devil. He needs a savior, not an assistant. He needs a hero, not a helper when we face the one who prowls about in this dark world, roaring like a lion looking for someone to devour, when we face the, the thief who comes to steal and to kill and, and to destroy, at that point, we don't need help. At that point, we need more than help. At that point, we need an advocate. We need a, a champion. We need somebody that will come and fight the fight for us. That's what we need. We need a savior, a champion, as Paul says, Colossians 1.13. I love this, who will rescue us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of the Son. Isn't that beautiful? It's Colossians 1.13. guys. That's the heart of prayer, pleading for rescue. It's a real prayer. It's kingdom focus. It acknowledges our total dependence upon God. It is rooted in mercy, and it pleads for rescue. Now, what do we do with it when we understand it? I'll give it to you, okay? Number one, same thing you had last week. You've got to practice it. You've got to start practicing real prayer. That means for many of us that we have to go back to the drawing board. It means that we need to stop praying the same thing. If you catch yourself this week going to pray, and you find yourself praying the same words that you have always prayed, you need to hit the brakes, you need to open your eyes, you need to stop for a second, maybe even go back and, and look at your sermon notes, and you got to start again. Practice real prayer. Not, not, not the pattern that we've fallen into, but let's look to the Bible and say, God, this is what you say real prayer is, help me to do this it means that we're, we're praying for God's kingdom. It means we're not just praying for our wants, but we're praying for His will, right? It, it's a dramatic shift in the way that we pray. I'm going to ask you to practice real prayer. Number two, I want you to get real about your resources. I want you to get real about your resources. And you say, Pastor, what do you mean? I mean, you've got to understand where they come from. You and I don't possess anything. It's all His. Everything that we possess is God's resource. Everything. I I, I think it's crazy today in the world that we live in, right? The the greatest battlefront that we face today is water rights. Right? There are huge lawsuits and companies spending millions and billions of dollars cutting people off from, from water that God has provided us with. It's crazy. And we take that same type of approach into our own personal lives. We think that this is, look at what I've earned. This is what I deserve, right? No, friend, everything that you have, you're a steward of what God has given you. They're not your resources, they're his resources. It radically changes of it. You think about Job for a second, right? Job had everything stripped away. He was reminded who owned it all. I just wonder, do we approach God like that? Do we approach God like that? Understanding that He has given us all that we possess or do we approach God like it's ours and we want more? Get real about your resources. Number three, I encourage you, please be merciful. Be merciful. If, if you want to really pray, you've got to be a merciful person. You've got to be a forgiving person. You've got to be a person who, who doesn't keep records of wrongs, right? Right? It's 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't keep records of wrongs. And number four, if you want to really pray, you've got to be far sighted. You've got to pray about kingdom things. You, you, you've got to think about the ultimate rescue of Jesus. You've got to think about lost people. You can't just think about you. You can't just think about you. Here's the thing that really gets my... Uh, it's a struggle for me, Okay. The struggle for me is that of all people in the world that should be focused on others, it should be the people within church. It should be the people of God. More than anyone else in the world, we should be the people that are, that are completely focused on other people, on whether or not people know Jesus, getting out of our comfort zones, willing to do anything that, that some might come to know Christ. That's Paul, right? I'm going to be all things to all people that some might come to know Christ. If there's anybody that should be that way, it should be the Christian. Amen? But unfortunately, we have 50 million churches And none of them are full. We fight over song selection. And how the pastor preaches. And outreach strategies. And what we like and what we want. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. It always fascinates me when people come and have a conversation with the pastors and they say, well, you just pick the music that you want or you preach whatever you want or you do whatever you want, friend. No. No. You could get into the head of the pastors and you could ask us what we really enjoy and what we like and... And, and and you know what we do is we seek the face of God and we say, God, who are the people in Elgin, Texas that need to hear from you? And, and what exalts you? And, 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 and we try to put those two things together. And first and foremost, we want everything we do to exalt Jesus. And secondly, we want to make sure that, that whatever we do is open so that people that need Jesus are receptive to it. And that means that our wants and our desires come last in that. Now maybe that offends you. I'm sorry. I believe it's biblical. We can talk about it. We can talk. About I'm, I'm open to those conversations. But you, you, if you're going to have that conversation with me, please, 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 hear me. Bring your Bible, because I'm going to ask you to show me. I'm going to ask you to show me why what you want is more important than what the world needs. Okay. I love you. I say this in love to you. We've got to really start praying friends. There's there's a whole lot of people in Elkin, Texas, and by the way, that is our first responsibility. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I, 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 if you had a list of things that are driving your pastor nuts, I mean, we're not going to the ends of the earth yet. We we're, we're doing missions in one place, we're in Laredo. We've got to add to that. We've got so many things that we have to do as a church. So listen, I'm I'm so excited with where the Lord has led us. But don't you for a minute think that we have achieved it yet. Don't you for a minute yet get, get caught up and going? oh, it's so beautiful. You know, we have 100 people usually here on, on Sunday morning at 8.30 and a couple hundred coming at, 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 at 11. Wow, that's 300 people. That's glorious. That's great. Well, we're not scratching the surface in Elgin, friends. We've got to really start praying. That real prayer has to sink down in the hearts of who we are and it's got to change us from the inside out. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I'm, um,